You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. It is so good to be back with you again. I'm telling you, it's been three weeks since we've been together here in Traverse City. We canceled our Christmas Eve, and it was such a bummer. Um, And I just feel like I haven't seen you guys forever. Uh, It's been three weeks. You know, um, it makes me think about... Uh, how, how much I appreciate community and the local church. And, uh, you know, you see each other from Sunday to Sunday. Sometimes we see each other multiple times a week. And you get used to checking in on each other and, and hearing how you're doing and what are the dynamics in your life. And, and relationships form and community happens and we, we care for one another. And, uh, man, when, when you take a break from that from three weeks, I just, it just has really made me think about how much I miss uh, you. I miss the local church. I miss community and, and the rhythms that we have. Uh, Happy New Year. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Come on. No shame here. Raise your hand if you have a goal, a word, a New Year's resolution. I do. Raise your hand. Like, we don't have... Seriously? All right, I think I'm in the minority here. Um, you know, I, I love New Year's resolutions. I love hearing people's goals and dreams and ways that they're trying to improve themselves or what they want to change. I think in many ways, New Year's gives us this opportunity to reflect on the past season and then look at the next season and say, man, I want to make some adjustments in my life for whatever reason. I want to make some adjustments. I want to kind of have a blank slate, a, a, a bare canvas and, and build something different in the season ahead. Uh, you hear of all sorts of things, don't you, when it comes to New Year's resolutions? Um, I think a common one is like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Uh, but there's also like, hey, I want to spend less money. I want to budget more. I want to forgive more in this next season. I want to advance or further my career. I want to uh, increase my salary. I want to look for new opportunities. I want to uh, attend church more. There's all sorts of things that people come up with. Um, you know, I think it's, it's good. It's good to have all these external, uh, external things that we use to improve ourselves. But if I would just say this. If we don't take a closer look at who we are on a deeper level, uh, all the things that we want to accomplish on the outside, it just will fall flat on its face, and we end up discouraged and disappointed when we see the next year going in the same way that the last year went. And so one of the things that we wanted to do for this series, kicking off 2023, we wanted to do a three-week series on identity. We wanted to take a deeper look at who we are and... Um, spend some time thinking about that. And so we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit today. Um, you know, speaking of that, I, I want to share a story with you that, and this is part of the reason why this topic and, and, and these scriptures that we're going to share today are so um, close to my heart. Uh, the story goes back uh, over 10 years. I was 28 years old, and I was, this was the first time I was a lead pastor and I was in a, in a ministerial association with other pastors, and um, they all were serving bigger churches than mine. And, and so I set some goals 
some resolutions for myself. I wanted to grow our campus or our church by a certain percentage. I wanted to reach new people. I wanted to expand our church planting efforts. I wanted to do all these percentages and numbers, and I prayed through it. It was goals, it was resolutions, and I was going to forge into the next year and really change things. Uh, and, and I was so passionate about this that I didn't, I didn't take a, look, a closer look at who I was. And what do you know? Um, the next year went just like the last year, and I was left disappointed, discouraged, and I found myself comparing myself, you know, I compared myself to the other pastors and, and friends in my life who were serving uh, bigger churches than I was. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever gotten into the comparison game? Have you ever set goals and resolutions for yourself that didn't work out, and then all of a sudden you, you kind of felt Maybe like David felt when he prayed this prayer. He prayed this prayer from Psalm 13, and I just always relate with it. We can put it on the screen. Um, but he said, I just resonate with this so much. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you turn your face from me? You ever feel that way? Like God has gone missing in your life, or like, like he's not there and you're, you're praying and you want him to show up or maybe you want him to help you meet your goals, or your resolutions, but it's just not happening. This three-week series on identity, whether you're older or you're younger, I think we all struggle with identity. And, and maybe you're just really good at this, uh, but I find myself in this continual battle of, of um, finding my identity in the wrong things. I can find my identity in success, my image, Money, my family, uh, what people think about me. Like I can find my identity in all these other things. And the whole time God is calling me to find my identity in him. And man, I just get that wrong. And I don't know if you do too, but like we just can, we can, we can find ourselves in all the wrong places and it leaves us depleted and discouraged. It's a lifeless place that isn't sustainable. Um. Our identity has to be rooted in something so much deeper. And so today we're going to look at different places in God's word. There's a lot that it says about this, but one of the places uh, that I want to begin with comes from 1 Peter, and it's just a reminder of who we are. Um, and I love this. You are a chosen people. Maybe you need to hear this. You are a chosen people. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's so many scriptures like this that paint a picture of who we are, paint a picture of our identity, and, and so I want to just talk more about this today as we kick off the new year and our, all our goals and resolutions and words that we use. We want to do a series called ID Renewal. Let's, let's renew where we find our identity. Uh, so before we jump in, I want to take a moment to receive our offering. And I want to say this, listen, if you gave uh, and, and you gave to this mission, you gave to this church and all that God is doing, um, I just want, in, in 2022, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. There's so much that we're able to accomplish and, and, and do, opportunities that we're able to step into 
um, both locally, regionally, Kensington as a whole, but also globally. There's so many amazing opportunities that we get to partner in, and that's because of your giving. And so uh, maybe in 2022 you, you gave, and I just want to say thank you for that. And maybe into this next year, I want to c- encourage you to continue to give. Uh, but maybe you've never given before. And I just think there's this, there's this moment in our lives where we realize that God has given us so much. He's provided for us in ways that is, are just beyond what we can comprehend. And, and there's this moment where we have to choose or decide, like, are we going to release what he's given to us, or are we going to hang on to it? And, and story after story, you hear of people who have, who have learned to release, learned to give uh, what God has given back to them and partner in something bigger than themselves and the freedom and the joy that comes with that. So I just encourage you to think about that, pray about that as we go into 2023 um, and, and say thank you. Thank you for considering. Uh, let's pray, and then um, we'll take our offering. Lord, thank you that we are your people. Thank you that we are a royal priesthood, a holy, uh, a holy people that you call us to declare the praises of you who have called us out of darkness into your glorious light. Uh, Lord, we were, we were once not a people, now we are a people. We once didn't receive mercy, now we have received mercy. Lord, I just thank you for the ways that you worked in our lives and, and the way that you call us to be a community of uh, people who represent and demonstrate your love in the community. And so, Uh, Lord, as we give today, we just ask that you take what we give, you use it, you multiply it for your purposes. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just just finished coaching a season of sixth grade basketball. Kind of blew my knee out doing it. If if you see me have a limp, uh, it's because I tried competing with sixth graders. Uh, But... Um, yeah, I finished one season and we're starting another season. And listen, I just love it. I love the opportunity that coach, uh, coaching gives you to connect with, with teachers, with other coaches, with parents and families. But one of the things that I, I think is so valuable about coaching is the opportunity that it gives to really invest in the next generation. And I just want to do a side note. Like if you find yourself in a situation where you, you have the opportunity to invest in the next generation, the next generation needs more people pouring into them, supporting them, encouraging them, raising them up, lifting them up. Um, but, but for these reasons, I, I love coaching. And one of the things that I noticed this year about coaching is how many kids define their worth by their performance. I can't tell you how many times this happened through the season. Kid shows up for a game, misses a shot, misses another shot. This is what he says. I suck. That's what he says. His head droops. His posture sags. You can see the demeanor on his face. It's either sad or mad. And he gets in this negative mindset where it, it just can't escape that. I, I suck. When, when he doesn't perform how he wants, it acts like an earthquake to his self-worth and his confidence. You ever have that happen in your life? I was thinking back. I remember the first time it happened to me. I was, I, first time I remember it happening like, significantly. I was in third grade. 
YMCA soccer in Ionia, Michigan. I was on the yellow team. Mr. Or it was Coach Pulowski. I was a good little, little third grade soccer player. Coach Pulowski um, told me it was my turn to play goalie. And so, you know, I was standing in the spot in the goal. You know the, the spot in the goal that I'm talking about where the grass doesn't grow? Like the bare spot? And so I'm standing in the, the goalie spot, and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm a good little goalie, and I'm on a good little team. And, and so I'm playing as hard as I can, and the other team comes down, and I just remember how I felt when they scored a goal on me for the first time. Like, that's my job, to prevent goals. And they come down and score a goal on me, and so like a tough little kid, I pick up the ball and I give it to the ref and, you know, you put it back in the center field and we keep playing. But I gave it back to the ref and, and I remember, to this day, I vividly remember the feeling that I had in my throat right before you cry. You know what I'm talking about? It's like your throat just feels like a pythons around your esophagus. And I started bawling. I started crying. I, I, I never felt that before. I remember it in third grade, as clear as day. And so the game goes on, and I muster up all my courage to, like, be brave and be strong. And finally, I dried my eyes, and my tears were gone, and I'm, I'm ready to go again. <laughs> and as soon as I get to that place, they scored another goal on me, and I had to, like, repeat the emotional cycle. Uh, the thing is, I, this isn't something that just happens in kids. This is something that happens in all of our lives where we have a role or responsibility or maybe this career path or whatever kind of responsibilities we have in our life. And when we don't meet those expectations, when we don't meet those goals, when we fail, when we sidestep, when we don't do things the way that we think we should do them, we get down on ourselves and we say, maybe I suck. You know what I'm talking about? This happens so often. Identity. For a baseline today, I want to talk about identity. Like, when we think about identity, we're really, there's two main ways we think about our identity. And the first way is our kind of characteristics that determine who we are. So I want to establish a baseline. As we're talking about identity, there's, there's just two main ways that we think about this. Uh, characteristics determining who a person is. Now, by this, I mean um, our age, our abilities, our job, our income, a defining moment in our life. Maybe it's our status, a, a role that we play. Maybe it's trauma or pain. Maybe it's our possessions or performance. Like, these are all characteristics. Maybe it's our education or success, popularity, power, other people's opinions of us. These are characteristics that we use. Now, we all use, we look to different characteristics. Not all of us have the same characteristics that we use to define ourselves. But there's characteristics that we kind of grab, gravitate to or grab onto. The other way that we think about our identity is kind of the, the community group that we belong to. So uh, belonging related to shared ideas, biases, values, or ways of seeing the world. And so by this, we could talk about ethnicity, we could talk about family origin. We could talk about culture, maybe uh, geography. We're, we're northern Michiganders. Maybe it's an ideology or politics. 
Maybe it's a sports team. I'm a Lions fan. We have one other person that's a Lions fan in here. Forever. Religion. Identity is shaped by these two characteristics. These two things, characteristics and belonging. And oftentimes, the people we find ourselves belonging to shape the characteristics that we use to define us. The people that we belong to have a set of characteristics that they use or that they value, and we use those characteristics to define ourselves. So these, these are the ways that we often think about identity. Now, when it comes to identity, there is a way that God intended us to think about our identity, and there's a way that God didn't intend for us to think about our identity. And what I'm going to suggest today is that most of the time, our default is to think about ourselves to define ourselves, to find our identity in ways that God didn't intend. I struggle with this. Maybe you struggle with this. And my hope is that today we could just kick off 2023 as a reminder. Where do we look to to find our identity? And so I want to begin and talk about false identity. Um, There's a story that I've been thinking about lately that comes from Genesis 11 And I think that this just gives us a great picture of what God didn't intend for our identity. And so you might have heard this story before. Odds are many of us have. Um, I learned this story at VBS when I was a little kid, and kind of it was on my radar ever since. But it comes from Genesis 11, and this is what it says. The whole world had one language and common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, which is Babylon, and they settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Pay attention to this. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. It's the well-known Tower of Babel story uh, where there's this community of people and they decide to ground their identity in how big of a tower they can make for themselves. If they can just make a tower that reaches to the sky, then the world will know who they are. You see it? Their identity is directly connected to their production and their performance and their ability to build. And this wasn't what God had in mind for people's identity. It's not what God had in mind. It's not what he intended for people. And so the story goes on. He actually came down and he confused their language and... They, it, was, it was chaotic, and they couldn't communicate well, and they couldn't get organized, and so they ended up scattering um, all over the place, and they stopped building their city. And, and, and sometimes I think God does this when we, when, we tether, when we tether our identity to what we can do. When we tether our identity to our performance or our production or our skills or, or what we can build, sometimes 
maybe God does this in our lives where he kind of, kind of suppresses our capacity to succeed because we've unhealthily connected our identity to our work. And the question is, who has God called people to be? And one of the things I'm fascinated by is if you just turn not even one chapter later in the Bible, you see this picture of who God does call people to be. In Genesis 12, it's really interesting. Within one chapter, there's, there's two vastly different pictures. One is unhealthy, unintended identity, but the next one is what God intended for his people. This is what he says to Abram. He says, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. This is what he says about, his, about their identity. I will make you into a great nation. They don't have to build themselves into a great nation. They don't have to build their own towers into the sky so that people will know them by how high their tower is. He says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great and, I will, and, I, and, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed by you. And I read this, and I'm like, man, what? There's two vastly different pictures of belonging, characteristics that determine identity. One is based on people's performance and production, the other one is based on who God calls them to be. And it's almost like God is saying, listen, and maybe you need to hear this today, I don't want your identity to be based on what you do. I want your identity to be based on what I do for you. I don't want your identity to be based on what you do. I want your identity to be based on what I do for you. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that from time to time. I need that reminder. Sometimes it's something that I know in my head, but I get caught up in the rhythms of life, and I find myself getting my identity in all the wrong places. And he's standing by saying, listen, I don't want you to find your identity in what you can do. I want you to find your identity in what I can do for you. You see another example of the way this works in the Egyptian culture um, when they oppressed the Israelites. The Israelites belonged to the Egyptians not by choice, but the characteristics that they used to define the Israelites was based on their brick production. How many bricks could they produce? And that determined the success of the Israelites as slaves in that region. And, and Egypt wanted to expand. They wanted their empire to grow. They wanted to build their towers in the sky so the world could know who they were based on what they could build. And they oppressed and suppressed and enslaved people because of it. And what does God do in this story is he finds a way to set this group of people free, right? I love this. But there's something that's deeply relatable to this because we so easily find our identity in our performance. And so I want to talk a moment about true identity I'm going to actually spend the rest of the day talking about this, true identity. Um, I want to talk about Jesus' example 
I've said this before, but one of the things that I've been doing recently, just as a follower of Jesus, is trying to read a chapter from the Gospels every day. I think this is an important thing. I think uh, it's been rejuvenating and challenging for me, like just reading the Gospels and, and, and trying to pay attention to the Jesus story. Who was he? What did he do? What did he say? Uh, what were the rhythms of his life? What were the tensions that he faced? And recently I was reading the story of Mark, and there's this moment where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, he says this prayer that kind of opens up and gives us a glimpse of how Jesus thought about his own identity. And, and you know, if, if you think about the context in the moment, like Jesus was 30 plus years old. He was building this ministry. He appointed 12 disciples and they followed him and he was spending his time pouring into them, kind of raising them up as leaders, teaching them. And, uh, and, and so they followed him and, and there was this, this group of people that would follow Jesus and Jesus' popularity got so big that Jesus couldn't show his face in a region without crowds flocking to him. Oftentimes, five, some would go up to 15,000 people would follow Jesus, and he would be left having to feed them because there was no food around. And so if you think about this, Jesus' ministry is building, and it's growing, and by earthly standards, you think it's getting really successful. And so in the garden, there's this moment where Jesus knows that Stuff's about to hit the fan. I'll say it like that. Jesus knows that by all earthly standards, he's going to be a failure. And this is what I mean. The very crowds that were cheering him on and coming to him from miles around turn into the very ones that are shouting, crucify him. The disciples that he poured into for two and a half to three years, people that followed Jesus, people that Jesus loved, his closest companions, they're following Jesus. One of them would betray Jesus, and the rest would completely bail. In, in, in the heat of the battle, in any kind of uncertainty or fear, like the disciples took off. And Jesus is in the garden, and he knows that all of this is about to happen. And so he says this prayer that just gives us a glimpse into how he thought about his own identity. This is what he says. This is what it says. It says, going a little further, he fell to the ground, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Like, I don't want to go through this. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Did you catch that in this, in this passage? Did you catch the identity piece? When the world seems to be coming down on him, when his friends are about to bail, like, again, by all earthly standards, this movement that had been growing is going to implode and all of the people that he found himself surrounded by are going to bail. Where does he get his identity from? He said, Abba, Father. This is significant to me because I think for many of us, when we get caught up in all these false identities, I think we need to look to Jesus and remember, like, I, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am a child of God. I am 
Dearly beloved, I am loved unconditionally. Whether or not I meet the quota or not, I am loved unconditionally. This is where Jesus grounds his identity first and foremost. And it's a beautiful example for us. And maybe you just need that to whisper to your heart today because maybe you're just in a season of life and you're finding out your identity and your career and all these other things and maybe you just need to center yourself on this reality. I am a child of God. I am deeply loved. I am dearly beloved. I am loved unconditionally. No conditions to his love for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. As followers of Jesus, we look to his example, and it's an example for us to center ourselves in just continually. I'm a child of God. But we also look to what he accomplished through the cross. Um, not only was he a son of God, not only, was, uh, what he, not, not only was he a son of God, but because of what he did, it allowed for all of us to be children of God, sons and daughters of God. The cross made a way for all of us to be adopted into the family. I love how the Apostle Paul says it, and there's a chunk of scripture I want to read here because I think it's so beautiful and significant when we think about our identity. But this is what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. He wrote to a group of followers of Jesus. This is what he said. And I underlined just to make a point. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches, riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good measure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession, the praise of his glory. Now, a couple things that I underlined over and over and over again in this passage, it talks about being in Christ. The mystery is what he accomplished in the, in, through the cross allows us to be adopted in as sons and daughters. It doesn't matter if you're from the right family or the wrong family. You are, you are adopted in as sons and daughters of God. At Kensington, this is such an, in Christ, this idea of being in Christ is such an important thing to us that it's our very first value. 
in Christ we have a new identity. In Christ we can leave all of the other false identities we have, we can leave them behind, and we can establish and ground and root a new identity, and that is in Christ, in his love, defined by what he says about us, not by all the things that we're trying to do through our lives. Paul said it like this. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And this is what we're invited into, new identity. We're invited into new creation where we let go. And sometimes it's hard, but where we let go of all of our false identities, all the other ways that we find our worth, we let go of all that. And we look to him and we find new identity and new creation in him. I like how the author um, and pastor Tim Keller puts it. He puts it super simple. He says it like this. The Bible says that our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something besides Jesus. What are you, what are you building your identity in? What are you building your identity in? Just take a moment. Reflect on the last year. What are some of the ways that you've been building your identity? Social media, your work, your success, your failure, money, marriage. How have you been building your identity? Maybe you've been building your identity by failures that you've had in your life and you're just, you're defining yourself by your failure. And I just invite you to build your identity in Jesus. If you have your phone with you, I'd encourage you to take it out. I want you to take a picture of something. And I want you to follow up on this picture today, tomorrow, but I also would love it if you shared this with someone who you think needs to hear this. In Ephesians, in the first two chapters of Ephesians, Paul is writing over and over and over again, reminding the church of their identity. And these are some of the things that he says about our identity. So when, when our mind is swirling about all of these ways that we define ourselves, I want us to look to scripture. I want us to look to what the apostle Paul says about our identity. And I'm going to go through them. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I am adopted as a son or daughter by the Heavenly Father. I am accepted by God and a recipient of His grace. I am redeemed and forgiven in Christ. I have inherited spiritual riches in Christ. I belong to the family of God by the Holy Spirit. I have access to spiritual wisdom in Christ. I am given resurrection power in Christ, like the same power that raised Christ from the dead is also in us. That's what Paul says. I am called to represent Christ to the world. I have been given new life and new identity in Christ. I have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. I am God's masterpiece, and I am created to do good works. I have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. I am reconciled to God through the cross of Christ. I have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit, and I am part of God's family. Over 
And over and over again in the scriptures, it tells us who we are. And over and over and over again in life, we're faced with lies telling us something different. And God's word continually grounds us and reminds us of who he, like who and how he defines us and who he calls us to be. This week, uh, I, I encourage you to read. Like, that all comes from just two chapters. But this, this week, I encourage you to, like, open your Bible or your Bible app and read Ephesians 1 and 2, just, just reminding yourself who you are, where your identity is found. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and, of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.